Book of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said these words in verse 28, and we'll put this on the screen for you. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will add to your burden. I will make it harder. No? What will he do? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If Christianity is something other than light and easy to you, you're doing it wrong. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. This is quite a promise he's made to us. And it was a complete revolution and a total opposite way of thinking to everybody around him hearing that, especially for the first time. Because religion was anything but light and easy. Man, it was heavy. It was hard. It was burdensome to people. And besides all that, it was impossible. It was an impossible standard to live up to without the grace of God on the inside of man strengthening him, enabling him. There was no way anybody could perform in life in such a way that God would come to them and say, okay, good job, you did it. Now you're righteous. And unless I'm mistaken, to this day, God still has never done that to anyone. I mean, is there anybody in here that would raise a hand and say, yes, God came knocking on your door and said, wow, you are amazing. I'm impressed. You've kept all my laws. You've done everything just right. And I owe you some salvation. Anybody at all? Show of hands. Ushers, help me. Do we have any hands? Any liars in the house this morning? Because he did not come to you and say that. He did not come to me and say that. Not one of us has lived in a way worthy of earning anything from him. He didn't owe you anything, but he gave you everything. Glory to God. In Jesus, he's given you and I everything. That's why the Bible says... How shall he not with him freely give us all things? If he didn't spare Jesus, why would he spare something else? Every, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And it's not something you earned. It's a gift. It's a gift. And this rest that Jesus is talking about is the same thing. It's a gift. Come to me and I will give you rest. Now... What Sarah dealt with last week is what Jesus was saying here in this verse. He said, you're going to find rest for your soul. Now, going back to the beginning of this topic, when you and I began talking about this several weeks ago, I told you that rest, rest is far more than resting this physical body. But yet, if you talk to people about it, they, they don't know how to think much beyond that. If you say to somebody, describe what it means to me to live at rest. Well, they might say, well, I don't know. You know, you, you get a nap every now and then, or you try to get a solid eight hours of sleep. And, and, and that's fine. And, and, and there is certainly truth to that. We'll see that today. But it doesn't start there. Resting doesn't start with what you do in this physical body. Just like nothing in God ever starts from the outside. He's an inside out God. I don't know if you've noticed that about him yet, but everything he does is from the inside out. I know one year 
I was, I think I was about 36 years old, almost 37. Sarah and I had gone away on vacation. And I was sitting uh, on the balcony of this hotel, first morning of vacation. And the Lord began speaking to me. I was reading some scriptures and just being quiet. And I heard these words on the inside. After reading a scripture out of the book of 2 Timothy, in a particular translation that talked about being fit for the master's use. And the Lord spoke to me that morning, early that morning on vacation, and he said, Jeremy, I want you fit by 40. Fit by 40. And I'm 42 and something now, and I was 36 then, so it's been a number of years ago now. But I got to admit, when he said that, my first thought was physical. I had started working out some months before that with some guys at the office, and we were really getting into it, so I kind of had it on the mind, you know, I had it on the brain. And um, I, when I first heard that, Fit by 40, my first thought was, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, get my diet right, and get my physical exercise right, maybe add a day of the week to the, to the routine here. But the more I sat there and meditated on that, I thought, wait a second, boy, you know better than this. <laughs> God never talks to you about change from the outside in. He always talks about change, how? From the inside out. So being physically fit is great, and it's a fine goal. But being spiritually fit is something else. Being fit on the inside. Being ready on the inside. And I won't take time to tell you the whole story. I, I didn't really know what he was talking about at the time. All I knew was, okay, he's telling me get in shape which means something's coming. Something is headed our way and I need to get ready for it. And that's what I sense the Lord was saying. That's get ready for it, get ready for it, get ready for it. Which when you first hear that, that's exciting, right? Wow, get ready, get ready, get ready. But the more you think about it, it's got this other side of the coin that says what? You're not ready, you're not ready, you're not ready. <laughs> In other words, if God wanted to do it for me then, couldn't have, wasn't ready for it. There was change that had to take place starting on the inside, working its way to the outside. And what I didn't know right then was that my first day in the pulpit as the pastor of Legacy Church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, I would stand there as a 40-year-old man. He was saying, something's coming. Something's coming. And we didn't know it was this church at that point, but as time progressed, we began to see it more clearly. And he's saying, look, I want you ready for this. Well, what Jesus is talking to us about here is entering into a life of rest. But I said all that to remind you of this. It's not just an outward thing. You have to address inward rest before you ever get to outward rest. And this is what the life of faith is. It's a life at rest. Faith is a rest. Can you say that? Faith is a rest. And every time you hear that, you think, okay, well, I thought faith is a fight. And they're both true. I would say it to you like this. Faith is the fight to remain at rest. Have you figured that out yet in life? That if you're going to remain at rest, you've got to fight to stay that way? Because there are things every single day trying to pull you out of your place of rest. Get you up out of that place seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And that's what the scripture says. That's, that's our place seated with him. And it's not an accident that he uses that word seated, just like you're seated right now. I mean, I could take a seat right here. And when I do, this body is at rest. 
I'm not the one holding myself up anymore. You're not holding yourself up. Something else is doing that. Faith is a rest. It's trust. He's holding me up. He's supporting me, sustaining me. And there are things coming at you in this life all the time trying to get you out of that place of rest. And it's the fight of faith that says, I'm not leaving my seat. Are you with me? I'm not leaving my seat. Seated with Jesus in heavenly places. I'm not getting up out of this place of rest. So it starts on the inside. But what Jesus said was you would find rest for your soul. Once you've established spiritual rest, which is what we've been doing for weeks, you cross over into what Sarah began talking to us about last week, and that's rest in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, the scripture talks to us, and we've read it over and over out of the book of Hebrews, talks to us about entering that rest. And he says, let us fear lest we should fail to enter into the rest. He said, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. So that tells me even people of God, if they're not doing it by faith, they are not entering in to the rest that's available to them. And this is what she was dealing with last week, entering into that rest. But one of the things the Lord gave her that I thought was so powerful, you remember she said, if you can enter the rest, guess what else you can do? Exit the rest. I'm not recommending it. Entering the rest or exiting the rest. This is what we're doing all the time. We are either entering into it or we are leaving it. And so people want to know, well, how do I know? These are spiritual things. These are things that take place in an unseen realm. How do I know I've entered into the rest of God? How do I know that I've spiritually entered into rest? Well, you want to know how you find out? Ask your soul. Your soul will tell you whether or not you've entered into the rest. She talked to us, you remember this, about having a calm and a quiet on the inside and living with a patient expectation. You know when you're driving your car, it, it, it's good to at least occasionally check out the gauges on the dashboard. Like, just take a glance every now and then, okay? What do you have up there? You've got a, you got a fuel gauge, don't you? You've got, you've got uh, engine temperature gauges. You've got oil pressure. You've got tire pressure. You've got any number of gauges on the car, and every one of them are there to tell you about the health of your vehicle, tell you what kind of shape it's in. That fuel gauge, how many of you would agree? It'd be good to check that one every now and then. Just take a quick peek, see how you're doing. Because if that thing gets real low and dips below that red line, you're a fool if you think I can keep going, right? That gauge is there to tell you what you have, but it's also there to tell you what you need. Just like any of them. Your oil temperature, your, your, do I have any car guys in here? Am I telling the truth? Am I, am I preaching to anybody? No, seriously, I'm asking because I don't know this stuff. I'm not. <laughs> They're all there to tell you about the health of, a, of your car. Well, you're going to have to set up some gauges on the dashboard of your soul that indicate to you the health of your life. That, that fuel gauge tells you how much gas you have and how much you don't have. You need a joy gauge. Yeah. 
You need a peace gauge. You need a, a love gauge. You need a calm and quiet gauge. You need a patience. Check the patience pressure every now and then. This is what she was talking to us about last week. Setting these things up in your life. These are the indicators that you've either entered the rest or you've exited the rest. When there's a calm and a quiet and a patient expectation on the inside, guess what? You've entered the rest of God. But when you are panicked, disquieted, lost all patience, guess what? You've exited the rest. How do I know if I've entered the rest? Ask your soul. It'll tell you. And there is so much more we could talk about with that. The, the rest of your soul. But what I, what I sense in my spirit we were supposed to move on to today is once you've established a spiritual rest that spills over into living with a rest in your soul, what's next? Well, now you can get into resting this physical body. Does the Bible have anything to say about physical rest? Yeah. And what you're going to see today over the next couple of minutes... A couple of minutes. <laughs> what you're going to see today, sometime before 12, is that God has made provision for rest in every area of your life. He provided a Savior for your spiritual rest. Amen. He has provided peace and joy. Peace like the world can't give. Joy like the world can't give. He's made provision for that for the rest of your soul. But what you're going to see is that he's also provided, made provision in his word for resting this physical body. Now these bodies, these physical human bodies, they're amazing. <laughs> I know some of you have to believe that by faith, but listen, they are. It's an amazing piece of machinery, man. What this thing can do, what it's capable of. I mean, the brain, the central nervous system, the bones, the joints, the, the organs, the tissues, and how all of these things function as one and they communicate at lightning quick speeds, lightning fast speeds. This thing is an amazing piece of machinery. But even though it's amazing and, and, and it's astounding, and, and yes, I understand that doctors and researchers and scientists and biologists, they're, they're studying these things all the time. And yeah, perhaps they know more about this machine now than they've ever known before, but there's still so much of it that's a marvel to them. Do you know that? That there's still so much of the inner workings of, of this human body and how it functions and, it, and the intuitiveness of it and, and what it's able to do, just the fact that, that it, it's got like built-in healing into it. I mean, if you scraped your elbow when you were a kid, check it. It's healed. How'd that happen? It's got stuff built in. It's an amazing thing. But as amazing and astounding as it is, it has limitations. Do you know this? When God built this machine, he installed an off switch. Now, many, 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 many people either can't find it or pretend like they don't have one. 
but he put one on the machine, an off switch. Why? Because just like any other machine, this one cannot run and run and run and run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year without some rest. If you try, if you can't find the off switch, again, I'm not asking for hands, but if you can't find the off switch in life, or if you're just pretending like you don't have one, what happens to a piece of machinery, even if it's well-built, expertly designed, well-engineered, if you run that thing night and day, incessantly, never give it a break, it will wear out before it's time. Parts will break. It will stop functioning the way it was designed. Even the, even the best mechanics, even the best pieces of machinery were designed with an off switch because they all need a break. Your body, which is a gift from God, expertly designed, I mean, beyond genius, the way he put us together, knit us, formed us in our mother's womb beautifully. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But he put an off switch. I said he put an off switch on there. And it's not okay. It's not okay to run this thing into the ground. It's not okay to think that you can go night and day, day and night, without ever giving this thing a break. And as I was meditating on some of these things, I began to see from the scripture that you can take rest. And when you're talking about physical rest, I believe you can break it up. And this is what we'll do today into three categories, if you will. And I want to touch briefly on these first two. And I want to spend a few more minutes on the last one. But God designed you and designed me and these bodies to rest a little bit every day. Every single day. Somebody say every day. There is a daily rest that is required. You know what it's called? Sleep. It's called sleep. You know, there's a, we've already seen this, there's an epidemic of people that are not getting the kind of sleep that this physical body needs that it requires. It's been a few weeks ago, I told you about that article that someone shared with me years ago and it just always stuck with me. It came out of like a men's health magazine. And they were talking about how sleep deprived and, and what a sleep deficit we have in America. And I'm sure the same thing's true in many places around the world. Was talk, the, the, the analogy it gave was, it, it said, imagine for every hour that you're awake. Remember we talked about this? It's like putting a brick on your shoulders. But for every hour you sleep, it's like taking two off. And man, that stuck with me. From the day I heard it, I've never forgotten it. And, and so many different times, I've been in bed, lying awake at night, maybe unable to sleep, just looking at that clock. Now we have our phones, but it used to be the clock with the red digits, right? And I would watch, and I would just lay there and look at it, and I'd think, okay, if I go to sleep right now, I can take six bricks off, and if I was awake for this many bricks, and you think about it in those terms. But it was, it's a good picture. And if you're awake and working for 16 hours, you got 16 bricks, right? If you're asleep for eight, 
You've taken two off every hour, you took off 16. Great, you wake up with how many bricks on your shoulders, boys and girls? If Johnny has 16 <laughs> bricks on his shoulder, simple math, right? You wake up without any weight. You wake up without leftover heaviness. But that's not what's happening, is it? There are people that are up for 18, 19, 20 hours getting far less sleep than they require. And what if they get four hours, six hours maybe? They wake up the next day and they think, well, I'm good. I don't need all that eight hours. I'm, I'm awesome. I'm Superman. I'm Superwoman. I can go and go and go and go and go. Well, what you don't know is that you started the day before you ever put your feet on the ground with what? Four bricks? Six bricks? And do that every day for 10 years? You got a brick yard on top of you. And you're not designed to live that way. So what does the Bible have to say about this? Well, we'll put this on screen for you. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to give you, if you've been struggling to sleep well at night, I'm going to give you two sleeping pills. And I want you to take these. And I was going to say call me in the morning, but it may take a while for it to get in your system. But take these two sleeping pills. Look, look at this first one. Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. Can we put that on the screen? Psalm 4, verse 8. What did he say? I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, I don't know if David was having trouble sleeping when he wrote this. If this is his declaration of faith. But he said, I'm going to lay down. I'm going to lay down in peace and I will sleep. I'll sleep. Why? Because the Lord makes me dwell in safety. So if you've been struggling at night, laying awake, worried about the future, worried about the finances, worried about whatever's going on in your life, the family, whatever, before you lay there, and instead of laying there, thinking these things and just chewing on these things over and over, pop this pill and say it out loud. I will both lie down in peace and sleep because he makes me dwell in safety. Now, you cannot overdose on these, by the way. You can take them and take them and take them and take them. Here's another one from the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verse 2. He said, it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. It's vain. What's vain mean? Useless, pointless, produces nothing. For you to get up real early, to stay up real late, worried, 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 worried. And this is why people are losing sleep. They cannot shake the worry. They can't shake the anxiety. And he said, it is pointless, useless, vain for you to get up early, stay up late, feasting on the bread of sorrows because he gives his beloved sleep. So say it out loud. I'm his beloved, I'm his beloved. and he gives me sleep. I remember my grandfather saying years ago, I think he was having trouble sleeping. And it finally dawned on him one day. He said, you know what, God, your word says you never sleep. You never slumber. There's no point in both of us being awake. I'm going to bed. <laughs> and that's the right attitude. That is the right attitude. There's no point in both of you being awake. And listen to me. If Jesus can get into a boat, lay his head down on a pillow 
while that thing fills up with water and the wind and the waves beat against it and he's down there sawing logs, snoozing away and they have to come shake him and wake him up. You can lay down in your bed with that same peace and you can sleep. Somebody said, I can sleep. These are things you can be taken. They should be coming out of your mouth all the time, all the time, all the time. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.